The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the APC podcast talking about your undefeated Green Bay Packers for acmepackingcompany.com and SB Nation. Today, we are previewing the Packers' Week 2 matchup with the Minnesota Vikings. And to do that, we will be joined by our old pal Arif Hassan, who covers the Vikings for The Athletic. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you are listening on the blog, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, etc., by searching for Acme Packing Company. And uh, hey, why not uh, give us a rating? We don't, we don't ask for much, but a little five-star love is always appreciated. Follow us on Twitter, at the APC Pod if you want our nonsense tweeted right to your tiny little handheld rectangle of despair, at Zach Rapport, at Ben Foldy, at Alex Batakis. Also, at the APC Pod on Instagram for no reason, not one reason, none of the reasons, total vanity project. Okay, I'm going to shut up now. Join us on the other side of this uh, ad here for a preview of Vikings at Packers with Arif Hassan. The number you dialed is... Packing Company. All right, helping us to preview Vikings at Packers. It is a pleasure now to be joined by Arif Hassan at Harif Hassan NFL on Twitter, covers the Minnesota Vikings for The Athletic. Political takes over at the Wide Left podcast all around. Good content, good guy, good vibes. That's why we keep coming back to you, Arif. Thank you so much for taking some time for us today. Yeah, I appreciate the kind words. Yeah, that's the only reason I come back. It's because of the compliments. (laughs) The flattery. Yeah. We try. Flattery won't get you everywhere, but it will get you on our podcast. (laughs) Words to live by. All right, Arif, first question. What's with that goddamn horn? No, I'm just kidding, Arif. um, (laughs) Had to ask. If you could uh, set the table for for us Packer fans by um, just sort of bringing us up to speed on, on the Vikings sort of offseason the draft etc like how I, how is the team different this year than last year what what are packers fans going to see on sunday that they didn't see last year for better or worse 
Well, I mean, if you uh, take a quick look at the reactions after uh, their game against the Falcons, the biggest difference is that they're Super Bowl bound and it'll go 16-0. and 0. Uh, <laughs> Optimism reigns. Are, yeah, pe- people are riding high on the team. Um, yeah, I think that I think the from from like a play calling or like what to look for perspective, the biggest difference is that this is clearly a more run focused team. You know, I don't think that there's going to be any other game where they only pass ten times, right? But uh, they're they're clearly much more comfortable running the ball this year than they were under John DeFilippo last year. So that's going to be kind of the central storyline, I think, for for the beginning of the season is kind of how run heavy are they because you know when you're up 28-0 it's not unusual to have kind of a run heavy offense but uh you know even then I think you know Filippo uh was was kind of happy to to pass the ball a little bit more often so that might be the biggest difference and it looks like the run game is going to be a lot more effective this year and I think a lot of that has to do with kind of the offensive line design up front so that's a big part of it and then I think from a passing perspective uh you're going to see uh, you know, small plays like checkdowns, uh, you know, like three yards, five yards, and then, you know, 20 yards. I, I think that they, they want to focus on you're either safe or you're very aggressive, and, and maybe there's not going to be a ton in the middle. The Vikings didn't have of their 10 attempts, but also taking a look at the training camp in the preseason, I uh, didn't have as many intermediate passes. They had a couple of passes go past the 20 and a couple of passes at like three yards because they've got, um, you know, a fantastic group of after-catch guys and people like Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, et cetera. So I think that's kind of the shape of the offense. Does that really, I mean, do you see that really playing to Kirk Cousins' strengths more than last year's offense did? I think so. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, Cousins, he's an accurate deep ball quarterback, but he'll only throw the throws that are kind of schemed up. You know, he's not a super great improviser. Um, so you, you we saw that want... in his in his dance. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was you'll be shocked to learn that that was actually planned. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah. It's apparently an inside joke with uh, Tom Compton, who uh Matter of fact, he's not actually on the team, so uh, he has to. He's going to upload that video and send it to his friend, former Vikings guard Tom Compton. Um, so I guess even when that is an inside joke, to... yeah, it, it's, it's good nice to get an idea of what of what Kirk Cousins thinks is funny. I uh, I mean, good is one word for it. <laughs> Revealing is certainly another word I'd use. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I, I'd say that because Cousins is not. Um, you know, in outside of the structure quarterback, you know, having a guy who's got pretty good deep accuracy uh, scheme to throw the, these deep passes when they're open uh, and available as kind of the first read, um, I think that does kind of play to his strengths. The Vikings have been very good throwing to the sideline. Uh, and you've got just this pair of really excellent contested catch receivers who regularly rank uh, in the top 10 of Pro Football Focus's contested catch ratings. Uh, Stephon Diggs himself has been like one and two these past two years. So, um, you know, even when they don't get separation deep and they're not the fastest guys on the planet, um, they still have an opportunity to, to generate these plays. So I think it plays to their strengths. Um, but he's a very methodical quarterback. So I think that peppering in these like three yard, five yard outs and stuff, you know, that's going to, to work with him. Yeah. Before Cousins had even taken a snap in Minnesota, we had you on the pod and, and I believe that your assessment of him was that, uh, you know, Kirk Cousins is a quarterback who has demonstrated that he will play to the level of the talent around him. So I, I guess with that sort of as your level set expectation for him after a year of watching him play and uh, 
plus one game. Would you say that you are, based on that assessment, disappointed that your expectations were met or that your expectations have been exceeded? I would say that that statement needs to be slightly modified to include the talent level of his coaches because I think that the the Vikings were burdened with a particularly poor offensive coordinator, a guy that I acknowledged was not a very good offensive coordinator but argued that they should probably keep anyway. Um, But, I mean, early returns are that I was wrong, so that's good. Um, Because, I mean, you take a look at at ways to measure offensive coordinator effectiveness. One of the ways – that I looked at it was kind of comparing pro football focus grade to like points per drive, right? Like if if your players are performing well and you're not scoring points, that's probably on the offensive coordinator. And I went through kind of historically, I think all the way back to 2006, all of that, like all of the points per drive and all of the all of the PFF grades and stuff like that. And the Vikings had in John D. Filippo one of the worst uh, offensive coordinators by that measure. Um, and I, I contacted the PFF guys. I was like, is this like an appropriate use of your data, or am I just making <laughs> stuff up? And and they were like, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, that that seems to be a kind of a good way to put it. They, they were just not a very effective offense despite that talent. So uh, if you remember, Kirk Cousins' best season was Sean McVay as his offensive coordinator. So mm-hmm. uh, I I think that expanding that definition to include you know the coaching staff around him makes a lot of sense. And I've got a lot of uh, respect for Stefanski. I've also got, obviously got a lot of respect for um, Gary Kubiak. So I think that. When we take that into account, Kirk played to the the level of expectation last year, which is to say, um, yeah, he might have put up some nice volumetric stats, but you know he was not a particularly impressive quarterback. I would say he was above average, maybe uh, last year. And and given the fact that he had you know the stellar receiving core and a really good running back, um, you know above average is disappointing. But when you include the fact that the offensive coordinator is not particularly good, it, it makes sense. So this year assuming the offensive coordinating situation has been improved and assuming that there's at least been a slight improvement in the offensive line, uh, you're going to see probably much better quarterback play, even with the same quarterback. So what, what then are the flaws in this team? Uh, the offensive line. I think um, Still. fans... Yeah, I, I mean, all, going back to 2010. Yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, I, it's not news to me, but I... I, <laughs> right, I, <yeah. laughs> I think fans are a little bit optimistic about the offense, or too optimistic about the offensive line coming off that Falcons game. Um, they kind of have to remember the Falcons have one good defensive lineman, um, and a really good one, but like one. Uh, and so the fact that Cousins was sacked once in his 11 dropbacks, first of all, from a rate perspective, that's actually terrible. Um, you don't want that. Yeah. Um, but you know, they see one sack and they're pretty happy and they see, you know, maybe not a ton of pressures and they're pretty happy, but, uh, they, they got beat up a lot from, from players that haven't demonstrated that they're kind of the elite level of talent that the Vikings are going to face kind of going down the road, not just against the Packers, but you know, against the bears. And now of course, against the lions, uh, they have the Eagles later on in the schedule and the Seahawks and so on. And so if that's the level of play against fairly subpar competition, there's a lot of work to be done. The rookie center, Garrett Bradbury, I thought played very poorly in the game, but you couldn't see it because the Vikings were averaging like seven yards a carry or something like that. Uh, and so running to the outside, I think notably. Um, so that I think remains a concern. If the Vikings are going to be a run-focused team, the play of that offensive line is going to be paramount. And uh, and against a, a defensive front like the Packers, that's going to be very, very difficult if they continue to play at that level. So I'd say that that's one of the weaknesses of the team. I think also just situational football. 
um, to move it outside of the discussion about position groups, um, I remain concerned, as at least offensively, about their ability to perform in uh, in two-minute drills or hurry-up or, or situations that require an understanding of the context of the score and the time. Cousins is just not a quarterback that seems to incorporate that information. Uh, for the second year in, the row, in, in a row at training camp, the offense basically uh, goose-egged all of their two-minute drills at training camp. Like, they couldn't win a two-minute drill. Um, and the defense is, like, pretty good, but, like... Win one, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so th- those are the concerns I have in the offense. And then defensively, you just don't know if Xavier Rhodes is there. He had a great game, but you know there's still some questions. Anthony Barr, Eric Hendricks both had great games, but there's still some questions there. And then you have to ask uh, ask about age concerns with like Linval Joseph and Harrison Smith. So good defense, potentially room for error. Yeah, and and kind of on the on the wrong side of the uh, curve. Yeah, yeah, they're they're getting that point. The age curve. <laughs> I wasn't saying an age curve. I just mean right, like the right. kind of cyclical, <laughs> the the cyclical uh, nature of of NFL contracts. Like the circle and, of life. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like Got you it. can't keep a good defense together for that long. All, all in all. Sorry, Arif. <laughs> much like Kirk Cousins, we we have our own inside jokes here. So that's what the ding was about. But I, if I, I bring I up, figured if it I out. bring up a player's age, it is a ding. So you met you mentioned um, sort of that that run pass split, kind of funny with the with the offensive line being a, a point of concern for you. I, I guess you did note that they ran mostly to the outside, but I mean Cousins makes ten pass attempts. I think between your your three backs, you had thirty two and a sack running back carries. <laughs> yeah, um, are are Vikings fans sort of are, are they happy with this? Are they annoyed? I mean, you've got. You've got two uh, outstanding wide receivers. How, how do, what's the uh, reaction to that that split? I mean, it's a win, right? It's a so, win, yeah. Yeah, they're happy. Well, if Vikings fans are anything like Packers fans, there'd be a win, and they'd find something to be grumpy about. So, <laughs> Actually, you know what? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I think it's kind of bubbling under the surface, right? Like it, it, a dominant win, it's kind of difficult to complain. I mean, I find a way, but that's my job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like... Uh, I, I think if you get, if the Vikings go four and zero to start uh, the season, and you know Diggs and Thielen are on track to get like six hundred yard seasons, you probably find some grumbling. But mostly people are going to be like, "Yeah, Zimmer really knows what he's doing. Old school coaching, really getting it done." Um, and and they're if if my past experience with talking about like sustainability of success is any any indication, they won't like that conversation. Right. Like when I said when the Vikings started at 5-0 a couple of years ago and I said uh, this is all built off of like unsustainable turnovers and defensive scoring, it's not going to last. Yet people didn't like that conversation. Right. When I said Case Keenum is secretly bad and he's going to collapse in the playoffs, people didn't like that conversation. Now, of course, I'm bringing up stuff where I was right. Um, I don't remember the parts where I was wrong, so we're good. <laughs> it never happens. People don't like that part of the conversation. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. I, I think they'll mostly be happy, but I think you'll find some grumbling, especially because, you know, Vikings get overdrafted in, in fantasy drafts if you're a Vikings fan, right? You know, I stay away from Vikings because I know most of the, the fantasy drafts I'm in are full of Vikings fans. Uh, and so there's probably going to be grumbling there, too. Um, Cousins is is probably not going to get to 4,000 yards for the first time in a long time because of the run-pass balance. Um, so, uh, you know, that's going to be kind of an interesting conversation. Like if the Vikings win a lot and cousins puts up Teddy Bridgewater numbers, people are going to be like, well, I don't know what to think now. 
I want to talk about special teams for a second because uh, I watched a little bit of, of of the Vikings game against the Falcons, and that was a thing that really, really stood out to me was smothering special teams, high quality play uh, in that uh, often overlooked phase of the ball. Do you think that's? Do you agree with that? And do you think that's something that is sustainable? Is that a pattern you've noticed, like carrying over from last year? What's the deal there? So they've got a new special teams coordinator this year because Mike Prefer decided not to re-up his contract and uh, go to Cleveland, where he's where he's from. Uh, and so they hired Marwin Malouf, who is an assistant special teams coordinator in Miami. And the thing is, um, the Vikings got zero punt blocks between, I think, like 2014 and, and 2019, or 2018. Uh, and, and the Miami special teams unit led the league with eight punt blocks. Uh, and so when Malouf comes here and in the very first game they get a blocked punt, I don't think that's an accident. I think that makes kind of a lot of sense that that, that kind of carried over from that coordinator. So I think that, that there's a, an aggressiveness to that special teams unit that I think didn't exist. I mean, it was a pretty good special teams unit with uh, with Prefer, but it was very conservative. It was much more concerned about like securing the ball in the fair catch than it was about returning. It was much more concerned about making sure you had enough uh, you know, people jamming and blocking for the punt than they were about, you know, securing, you know, a blocked punt. So in, in whatever ways that you can get your special teams unit to create, you know, explosive plays or or to improve your position by being a little bit risky, it seems like the Vikings are doing that. Like even on something as simple as a kickoff, they seem to want to kick it at the one more often because it's very hard to get it to the 25 uh, instead of kicking for the touchback. How do you beat the Vikings, I guess, is a question I always like to ask. Yeah, well, so I think that that that's tough because uh, based off of 2018, I'd say, you know, uh, isolate the linebackers in coverage, target them, uh, see if you can take a run up the up the middle where, where the three technique is, which is actually still probably where I would I would target and uh, and see if you can, uh, you know, target the nickel cornerback. Um, but based off of the improvement that we saw with, at, at nickel corner, even though Mackenzie Alexander is injured, I mean, Jaron Curse has played really excellently um, to replace him. It'd be tough to say that that's for sure a weakness. Uh, based off of how well the, the Vikings linebackers played in coverage in this game, it'd be tough to say that that's going to be a repeat weakness. I'm not saying there's no weaknesses. I'm just saying there's not enough information to figure out kind of what exactly it is. But if I was designing a game plan, I would continue to isolate those linebackers in coverage uh, and and find ways to get, um, you know, even even if the, you know, even if Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis aren't going to be world beaters at this point, I'd see if you can do something there. Uh, and then um, I would also see if you can get the the running backs to run wheel routes and stuff on them. So that's probably where I'd start. Uh, and then, uh, you know, I I don't have a particularly high regard for Trey Wayne. So he's played well for the last year and a half. Kenosha, Wisconsin's own Trey Wayne's. Hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, I I think he's still a Packers fan, which is not to say he intentionally plays poorly for the Vikings. He does the the best he can, obviously. But yeah. I mean, he's been a huge Packers fan all his life. It's hard to, to shed that. He's not a mole, but he's not not a mole. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Is he trying his best best? Uh, yeah. But I, I would see if I, um, uh, I, I would see if, uh, if you know, Marquez Valdez-Scantling can, can beat him in a foot race. They're both extremely fast, but, you know, Waynes has uh, difficulty getting his head turned around in coverage sometimes. And so, uh, that I mean, that's something that I, I would take a look at. Um, but like honestly, does a does a defense need a weakness for Rodgers to attack it? I mean, you just do what you do. Yeah, I mean, I it's I I'm not quite sure. I you know I think it's hard to get a real sense of of Minnesota after the first game, other than they're going to run all the time. 
but I have way less of an idea of what the Packers offensive identity is coming out of our first game. Did you watch any Packers film in this week? I watched the game. I didn't uh, I didn't rewatch the film yet. Um going to do that uh tomorrow to write a piece for Friday. Um but you know my impressions of the game are that uh it was a much more conservative offense until very end. Mm-hmm. Uh than I expected. I expected kind of you know, I didn't expect like a, a rebrand of of the of the McVay stuff, but um, you know, I expected you know, hey, everybody was complaining about slant flats for the past like six years uh, with the Packers that were, they're probably going to get rid of that, and they kind of didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, uh, I don't know. Um, I would have I would have put I would have moved Rodgers around the pocket a little bit more often, um, just because like. I, I don't think Bakhtiari actually had a good game. I know a lot of people said he did. Um, I expect him to to be the best tackle in the NFL again, um, so it's not that. But, uh, you know, I, I, I would have just said, you know, hey, the, the Bears are weird. Try to extend the play as much as you can and get aggressive and move downfield. And, and the Packers started moving once they started doing that. Yeah, I mean, especially if you can pick on HaHa Clinton Dix. You mean Bears superstar HaHa Clinton Dix? <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, it's... It's it's it, it sucks that that's what, there's nothing they could have done about it um, to resolve that weakness. But you know it's it's who they've had for a month. There's nothing you can do. Arif, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm going to ask you to back up for a second and and talk a bit about um, David Bakhtiari, who you said uh, you didn't believe that he actually had that good of a game. I, uh, you know, a, a really tough Bears front. I feel like Mac was um, no matter which side he was coming from was uh was as much of a non-factor as you can hope to to make him so i guess i would ask you to just expand on what you mean by you didn't think he had a very good game so i'll say that um though mac didn't generate i think statistically a lot of uh pressures hits or sacks um i i would say that the quickness by which the tackles were beaten um and kind of the required response from the rest of the offensive line and and the attention that mac commanded made it difficult to say that that Bakhtiari was objectively good, right? And then I also think that you know he got beaten in the run game a little bit. So um it's not that he was a disaster or anything like that. It's more that uh you get a little bit of help and and you get beaten quickly but it doesn't result in the stat. Um those are both indications that that the game isn't going as well as the stat sheet indicates. Yeah. You also mentioned a little bit of of um being uh, surprised or bewildered by the Packers offensive game plan. I I I I would also I would point you to some comments from from Aaron Rodgers I think post game or or earlier this week um, where he basically said you know w- w- we were so disrupted basically on on first and second down you get in these sort of uh, catch up scenarios that they actually didn't get to a bunch of stuff that they that they wanted to mm-hmm. sort of unleash or unveil and uh, so he. He basically sort of like a wink and a nod at the camera is like, well, it'll be new next week now instead of instead of this week. So well, that um, makes sense. bearing that in mind, yeah. plus the small sample size, I don't know. Um, are you uh, I assume you're not very nervous. Am I wrong? How do you feel about this game? I mean, the the Vikings have done very well against the Packers over the past couple of years, but I'm never not going to be nervous uh, with, with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback like. He's just good. I mean, like whether or not the Vikings have done a really good job against him, um, you know, he he continues to to kind of perform. Um, I am kind of interested in the fact that statistically he hasn't, you know, put together a bunch of stuff since since 2016. 
Um, and, and he seems to kind of occasionally just be out of sync with the offense. But, uh, you know, the potential for big plays, Hail Marys, comebacks, that's always there. Um, I even saw like a thread the other day that, you know, he's losing his arm strength. And I think there's no evidence of that. I think he still has all of it. Um, so I, I would say the Vikings are well positioned to win. Um, the Packers are like two and a half point favorites, right? So, uh, you know, Vegas seems to think that they're fairly even on a neutral field, maybe slightly biased towards the Vikings. I don't know. Um, and that makes sense to me, especially because I've always had a ton of respect for Mike Pettin as a defensive coordinator. I've always thought the Packers have had a lot of talent on the defense and that they haven't been able to, to marry a good defensive scheme with the amount of talent that they have. And it seems like that's where they're at. Although it's always hard to tell with a quarterback as bad as Trubisky. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Except I would say that I mean, the defense really really looks qualitatively different, and I don't think it's yeah. just a flash in the pan because it's so consistent across all stages of the defense. Like there was not a single, you know, there there's you know there's I was thinking while I was watching the game, I was like, is this Ben don't break? Is this 2010? Is this they're gonna give up 400? And I, I just I don't see that happening with this defense. I see every down being like a tough fought. You know, I think the weakest part is inside linebackers and and Blake Martinez is like a totally fine, above, like slightly above average inside linebacker. Yeah. And, and scheme yeah. is going to cover all of the holes, you know, and, and there aren't really holes. I mean, there are weaker points, but I think the scheme is is really going to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And it has to. I mean, especially with um, how short staffed the uh, the front four are. Um, you know, Rashawn Gary got six snaps all game. Mm-hmm. They're going to play a ton of nickel. They're going to play, you know, like it's, it, you know, it's a lot. And, and the secondary just looks so much better. And I, I think this is the first year where I can safely say that my excitement for the secondary has carried over from the preseason into the regular season in a, in a reasonable way. Yeah, you mentioned the Dom Capers era. So I still wake up in a cold sweat sometimes muttering about <laughs> Ben Dumper. <laughs> I mean, Ben, don't break. Like, yeah. I mean, it's not. Look, it's not. It's it's a risky game. Uh, but you know, I did not feel that. I mean, for all intents and purposes, the Packers defense threw a shutout. Uh, you know, the one Bears field goal. I think they started on like the forty yard line or something. And and the Bears shouldn't have kicked it. So. Yeah. Exactly. So I look forward to the, I I look forward to this game as a test for both sides of the ball and the Packers because I I really I don't think there's a lot to read into the first the first game. On our on our side, yeah. No, I think the same thing for the Vikings because you know it's nice to say you have a dominant win and that's kind of who you are as a team. But it was such an unusual game, yeah. Um, that we didn't really get an opportunity to see what kind of they can do through the air, um, which is kind of kind of dictate their performance for the next fifteen games, I'd say. Um, and on, I don't think those open lanes are going to be there in the running game, uh, especially on the outside all that often ever again. I, I just think that that was kind of just a weird quirk. The Falcons probably uh, just had really a lot of difficulty adjusting and stuff like that. So um, I don't think we learned a ton about the Vikings. Um, I mean, I would say that we probably learned that the special teams unit is going to resemble kind of the positives from we, that we saw in Miami, so that's good. Um, but I, I don't think we learned a ton about the Vikings except that the running game is more complex than I figured and that they're willing to take shots, which we kind of basically learned in the preseason. There was not a lot of throwing out of the backfield. Is that is that right? I mean, there wasn't a lot of throwing. Well, that's true. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, okay. I mean, that'll be interesting, too. I I thought that was how the, the Bears were really going to attack the Packers because that was the blueprint last season was, like, again, this weakness at inside linebacker was really easily exploited by pass-catching backs. 
and and Tariq Cohn was pretty kept in check last yeah. week. And I, I was just curious. I mean, I don't know. I guess there's not, again, there's not enough evidence to go off from week one to see if that's a way that the that the Vikes can can attack the Packers. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that ended up being their kind of their dominant strategy against that defense. Um, I mean, like, I, I assume that they they trust Diggs and, and Thielen to win against, like, you know, Jair Alexander and so on. But, you know, I, I would also trust Cook to win against, you know, Martinez uh, just because he is such an excellent receiving back and he can do so much danger in space. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I wouldn't be – I mean, he's no Tariq Cohen, right? Um, but, you know, I, I'd say that, that that's probably going to be a, a big part of their strategy. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean the, one, the one thing that I think was a genuine surprise for a lot of Packers fans coming out of week one was Raven Green was remarkably effective as a, as a very small inside linebacker. <laughs> So it, it is possible that that he at least in coverage is is going to be on Cook. Arif, can we uh, can we pressure you for a, a prediction on this game? What's the outcome? Yeah, guaranteed to be wrong. Spreads two and a half. I don't know what the over under is, but I always I always pick the under accidentally anyway. So I'll say. Uh, well, it looks like you have it in front of you. What is the over under? Uh, nope, never mind. I was wrong. Thank you for editing. I always know this shit off the top of my head, and here it is. Packers by three is the line at the moment, and yep. yeah, it moved up to three. And the over under is between forty four and one book's got forty six for some reason, but forty four, forty four and a half seems to be the general consensus. Yeah. So is that like twenty four to twenty one or something like that? Um, yeah, that's that's a relatively low scoring game, and that's probably the direction I would go in. So. Uh, if you know if the over under is around like forty four forty five and 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 the the spread is about three, I'd say that Vegas, in my estimation, probably has something pretty close to what I'd say. Except I'd put, probably put it in the other direction. I'd say that the Vikings, I mean, just because they've done so well against the Packers, I'd say that the Vikings would win by you know maybe a field goal or or four points or however kind of the quirks of the uh, of the game shake out. Um, I initially had this as a Vikings loss. Um, I think before the season, so. Uh, I wouldn't obviously be shocked if that happened, but uh, yeah, I'd say like Vikings uh, twenty four, Packers twenty. Yeah, you uh, you you called a possibility of forty five combined points a, a low scoring game, but Packers fans coming off of a ten to three slobber knocker. <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a points bonanza, man. But uh, my final question, and then we can let you go: Is Kirk Cousins a pod person or just a sociopath who had to learn human emotion from a book? <laughs> uh, I I mean. I'd say pod person, uh, but then he grew <laughs> facial hair this year, so hmm. which I think is a good decision. A lot of people are critical of it, but I, I'd say it's good because I mean his face looked a lot like the steaks he was cooking. <laughs> um, so it's good to have some texture. <laughs> he probably had to study up on some books at Michigan State. Uh, maybe missed a couple of lessons here or there. <laughs> the art of emoting. <laughs> Arif, always a pleasure. Thank you uh, so much for joining us at Arif Hassan NFL on Twitter. Again, also the uh, Wide Left podcast. Check that out as well. And uh, I would say good luck on Sunday, but I wouldn't mean it. But I'll say sincerely, I hope no one gets injured and they all have fun. How about that? <laughs> oh, perfect. Yeah, let's go with that. All right, man. They all have fun. Thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you. Always a pleasure. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, everybody, big thank you again to Arif for joining us. One of our favorite guests, even though he covers covers the other side, covers the Minnesota Vikings for The Athletic. He is predicting, uh, he's pretty much going with that, uh, that Vegas point total line of around 44, 45 points. He predicts a Vikings win. Alex Patakis, who, who couldn't make it this week, did phone in. With his prediction, he's agreeing with Arif. Oh, ye of so little faith. He's saying Vikings over Packers 24 to 20. Meanwhile, Ben Foldy and I are holding down holding down the believer, the believer's court. Ben Foldy says Packers over Vikings 31-24. That's a high-scoring game. I'm gonna say Packers win 21 to 17. Either way, coming out of last week. We don't. We still don't know what to expect out of really both of these teams. So it's going to be interesting either way. We are pumped. And um, get your picks in if you are participating in the listener pick them. Get your picks in. Picks are always due five minutes before the first game of that particular day kicks off. As we get later in the season, we'll start to uh, talk about the leaders of the pack. Get in that top five. Get your name mentioned on the show. All right. That's going to do it for us here at the... APC podcast for acmepackingcompany.com and SB Nation for Ben Foldy and Alex Patakis. I am Zach Rapport. Let's go, Pack Go. Let's get a win out there. Yeah. Mumbling in the background while I fumble for stuff. There it is. Ending the show. I'm good at this. <laughs> <laughs>